This is Lon Winters with Graphic Elephants. This is Jimmy Lamp. This is Matt Masala with the RhinestoneWorld.com. And you're listening to the Two Regular Guys Podcast. And you are listening to the Two Regular Guys Podcast. Podcast. Hosted by... My name is Terry Combs RG. Regular guy. And Aaron Montgomery. We're just regular guys having fun and uh, trying to, to make a living in this really cool and exciting industry. I think we all want to succeed 100% of the time seek to understand before I try and make myself understood. Bring a ton of great information. Coming to you live from somewhere dark, dirty, and dank. Welcome into the show, everybody. Uh, My name is Aaron Montgomery, and you can find me over at oursuccessgroup.com. As you can see, uh, Terry is not here. He is actually standing in the Equipment Zone booth in Atlantic City right now, and uh, so I I brought in Mr. Eric Campbell. Eric, uh, welcome in. This is true. Yeah, this is me, Eric Campbell, sitting in for Terry Combs. And I have to say, because Terry's not here, it is Friday, March 24th, 2023. <laughs> we are here, ready on Friday as usual. You can find me generally over at ericcampbell.com. But today, Aaron has asked me to go on camera, you know, uncharacteristically, uh, to join him to talk about e-commerce. Because believe it or not, not everything I talk about is digitizing. And a lot of my life has been working on e-commerce, working on sales dating back to uh, horrible websites built on tables with carts that we had to implement. So I, I may or may not have a couple things to say about e-commerce. As we get <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. You, you know, quite a bit about e-commerce. Uh, we call you Batman. You've, you've mastered many, many things and we don't know about all of them. So uh. <laughs> now, my, my secretive e-commerce cave that I have to descend into, which by the way, also at night while nobody else is working, <laughs> that's an that's, accurate way to talk about building an e-commerce store. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It, yeah. You think, that the e-commerce work for you 24 seven, but you get to work for them 24 seven at times too. So exactly, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. So we're looking forward to this conversation here today, Eric, you're going to be wearing many hats, not just the amazing dad hat that you have on right now, but um, (laughs) producing talent, uh, interviewee, the whole, whole nine. He's going to do it all today. Certainly try. Let's put it this way. We'll certainly try. It's a little, you know, uh, rubbing your tummy and patting your head, but I'll certainly try and make yeah, it all yeah, work out. Yeah, it'll be good. So, um, but we do, um, yeah, Jerry checking in here says, uh, hello, ready to do some learning and awesome. good morning, Barb. Thanks for tuning in. So, yes. well, Eric, we've got, uh, we've got some news to bring you though. Um, and we've got, uh, Matt Dixon who is with graphics pro, uh, just an amazing magazine and not Fantastic. just because I get to write for him, but, uh, they have some <laughs> amazing content. Well, I have to uh, say like, not, not, not downplaying anybody else's segments, but I really do look forward to Matt's segments. So I'm, I'm super happy <laughs> to have him on today. I do too. And, and I, and I love the magazine. So make sure that you guys are subscribed please, and please check please. it out. I, I'm not only an author over there, but I'm a avid reader of the magazine. So, let, let's do that. Let's just get right into that, Eric, if that sounds good to you. Let's uh, bring in Matt. Absolutely. Let's bring in Matt. Good morning, everyone. Eric, Aaron, regulators, thank you very much for having me today. Let's dive right in. The Millcraft Paper Company will no longer ever be confused with the Dunder Mifflin Paper Company after announcing the relaunch of its direct-to-garment specialty sales unit as a broader-based Millcraft Apparel Solutions business segment. In conjunction with the rebrand, Millcraft announces a new partnership with Epson to offer its full line of industrial apparel and decor printers. The rebuild coincides with rapidly evolving technologies in the apparel printing marketplace and the growing consumer demand for advanced equipment and services. Millcraft's Apparel Solutions now envelops DTG, 
direct-to-film printing, and other capabilities within the apparel decorating space. Let's all hope that the rebrand doesn't change the office culture in any way. In other news, Fruit of the Loom shares that it is among the top 8% assessed for supplier engagement in climate change based on its 2022 CDP disclosure. CDP is a nonprofit organization that runs a global disclosure system for environmental impact with nearly 20,000 companies disclosing data in 2022. The company is committed to more operational efficiency in supply chains, working with strategic suppliers to reduce energy use and increased use of renewable electricity. Up next, if you're looking for a new niche product or something for the market of promotional products, look no further than your nearest bank bailout. Promotional products emblazoned with Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank logos are flying off the shelves for e-commerce providers, which means keep your eyes peeled for the next massive consequence-free banking error because the next $300 billion loss could be your $20 gain. And finally today, be sure to join us at Graphics Pro Expo in Charlotte on April 27th and 28th. GPX Charlotte launches with a full day of education on the 26th, followed by two days of exhibits and classes. Classes at this event include Corel Draw for Sublimation, Sublimation Projects That Make Money, Easiest Ways to Print Apparel, Tips and Techniques for High Impact Profitable Screen Printing, and of course, our Apparel Decorator Panel. Come see new products, learn to new techniques, meet industrial experts, connect with suppliers, and network with peers. Whether you're a seasoned pro or new to the business, GPX is a perfect event for you. Register for free and get more information at graphics-pro-expo.com. Gentlemen, back to you. That was not the dad joke segment either. It was the news segment that I brought to you very entertainingly. Thank you, Matt. That was wonderful. <laughs> we had office references. We had an appropriate amount of shade for the bank bailouts, I think, as well. <laughs> yes, so, definitely. Definitely. So I do love the idea that people are snapping up like dead SVB gear. That is, that is fantastic. I remember distinctly someone uh, talking about their vintage Enron hat the other day, and I was like, is this going to be a thing? Apparently, it's going to be a thing. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, and also make sure you guys check out Charlotte if you're over in the area. It's, it's a great show. I had an opportunity to be there last year. What a fantastically put together pro program they've got over there so all right eric well we do need, still need to deliver the dad joke i know terry is uh, typically uh, bringing some <laughs> different fire i uh reached out to my 11 year old for a little help for this week so um all right please uh spare any um shade being thrown my way but uh he, he uh i think he heard this on youtube I'm, I'm almost positive right everything in 11 year old's life is on youtube so <laughs> well i'm gonna say looking at the content of the joke since i do get to have the preview of the joke uh for sure i don't think he necessarily would have been aware <laughs> no i don't think <laughs> the he references is, uh, involved <laughs> understands who this is all right so uh, are we, we ready go. without further ado <laughs> uh, absolutely let's go for it all right so uh, eric what concert only costs 45 cents well, Aaron, I, I don't know. What concert? It only costs 45 cents. Yeah, it would be 50 Cent featuring Nickelback. Uh, yep. <laughs> Still not laughing. Oh. <laughs> That's so bad. <laughs> it is really, oh, really, really bad. 50 Cent featuring Nickelback. All right. Yeah, that is that is definitely dad joke territory. That but, is, you know, that I, is, I think yeah. appropriately so. So no, <laughs> no yep. hate. 
but still nope. yeah that one's yeah, rough perfect. apparently yeah. ramona is you know entertained i don't know how i feel about it but ramona's good for it she's rolling on the floor <laughs> and letty yeah. thinks it's laugh out that's loud right me. that's so right that's, there you uh, go thank you rough. thank you very all right well, um, Eric, before we do dive in, I do want to thank yes. everybody for checking out the Two Regular Guys podcast. Uh, we're always looking for new guests, uh, though we are um, booked for for a little bit. We we got to yeah. keep that. Uh, <laughs> what what is it? Fountain flowing, right? So to speak. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So if you or anybody you know would like to join us, just head over to Calendly dot com forward slash two and that's the number two regular guys and you can uh, you know pick a a friday right there or you can connect with us and and just give us the ideas you know to share a, an idea for a show what's something that you're you're interested in what's something you'd yeah. like to learn what's something that uh you know you the regulators out there need and want to hear on this program so again go to calendly.com forward slash two regular guys um, now, if you are listening into the podcast version of our show, we'd really appreciate you sharing this with, uh, with your industry friends or, or family, right? We, we're okay. And bring them all, right? That's <laughs> all. Bring everybody you okay. think it would benefit. Yeah. Why not? We, we just want to keep creating more and more regulators out there and, uh, and, and building the community. So we'd appreciate it if you'd give us a review on, on any of the places where you catch your podcast. I, I don't think that we have anything that we're missing from though. I do hear some new. Um, there, I heard a thing about YouTube podcasting coming soon. Yes, indeed. They actually have that launch. So we got to yep. check that out yep. too. So everywhere, but there. So soon, <laughs> that, soon. That's, <laughs> I will be working on that soon. Um, but anyway, it's uh, Apple podcast, Spotify, our heart radio, Stitcher, Amazon podcast, you know, wherever it is that you do your podcast listening, we are there also, um, just so we can get some more people in here live, make sure yeah. to just take a quick moment here and, and go share this. Yeah. If you're watching on, on YouTube, go share it over there. If you're watching on Facebook, go share it over there. And, uh, also though, make sure that you are joining in with your questions and comments. This show is about you guys, the regulators, and uh, sure. we need your, your feedback. So Eric, we're going to talk about e-commerce here in just a moment, but um, I do have a project that I'm extremely excited about that uh, I'm starting to build some steam with here, having some great conversations with folks so um, I can see it happening. But uh, I'd like to share, I made a little quick quote unquote ad for this. So if we could uh, share that real quickly, I would appreciate it. Absolutely. Attention all Facebook group admins. Hey, are you looking for a way to help your community of business owners achieve greater success? I invite you to partner with me to offer a mastermind program to your group. Allow our success group to handle the back end and structure while you focus on building and engaging with your community. You will help your members reach their full potential. I'm going to give you all the training tools and support needed to host biweekly calls and support your community in their journey towards success. Visit mosmasterminds.com to learn more. And the best part, you can earn up to $1,000 per quarter per group with no cost to you. Again, visit mosmasterminds.com to learn more and to schedule a call to get started today. All right. Well, I'd appreciate it if you guys would uh, check that out, mosmasterminds.com. If you're looking to put a mastermind group together for your community that, you know, it, it doesn't have, you don't have to have your own Facebook group or anything like that. Just... Uh, my goal is to uh, have fostered over 10,000 people through the, through a mastermind at, at a real mastermind program. I did a small business Saturdays podcast about that recently. And um, so I, I know that I need help to reach that goal. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, 
Eric, real quick here, let's say yeah. hello to a couple of other regulators checking in. We've got Frank Dunn. Good afternoon. Should have you in, Frank. Yep, yep. And then Jerry said that joke made no sense. Yeah, filling in for Todd. Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that. No, I, I agree. Since CENTS for all of you <laughs> on the podcast listeners. I yeah. <laughs> have right. to ruin everything by explaining it. That is what I do best. That's right. That's right. That's uh, <laughs> so, uh, Rich, hello. Thanks for being here. All Ooh. right. Eric. Yes. Now it's time for you to switch hats here. It's time for you to okay, get into okay. the interviewee side of the table here. Um, <laughs> but are you ready to talk about e-commerce here, sir? Uh, I'm kind of always ready to talk about e-commerce. I mean, it's it's something I live <laughs> day to day. All right. So uh, I know we are going to talk about pillars and pitfalls. If you look at the way we kind of titled this, this is something that I do with a lot of topics. It's a great way to kind of establish that stuff. So I want to start kind of from the basics. And, and kind of get into those things that have the most effect on decorators, right? Um, though you guys may not have known, I mean, I, I've done e-commerce, like I said, kind of in the intro since the almost the beginning of my career. Since previous to people trusting it, I very much remember the days where people were like, I'm not putting my credit card into a website. And I also remember when Amazon only sold books. So I'm aging myself terribly here. <laughs> At the same time, that's something that you know, I've kind of had e-commerce on the radar for a long time. And the thing is, there's a lot of stuff that hasn't changed that much over time and some things that have. But overall, I still find that there are these pillars, these kind of foundational things that you have to build sites on and these pitfalls, which are just common things that people fall down on. And especially decorators sometimes fall down on when they're starting to kind of implement. So I kind of want to go with that. Okay. Um, but... As the beginning of that, I just want to get some real basics out of the way, because I think that it's it's the kind of stuff you think you don't have to say, but people don't necessarily think about, because especially as decorators, we are creative people. We are people who want to think about the art. We want to think about the craft. We want to think about the style. And sometimes we will occasionally gloss over some substance, some of the basic stuff that we absolutely need. So the first thing I want to kind of harp on is basic functionality and policies. Okay. <laughs> so yeah i know <laughs> here we go basic functionality and policies but i think this is stuff that we don't always spell out and so first let's just kind of put it out there you absolutely have to have clear policies the policies of your store i know it sounds like something everybody should know they shouldn't just be the boilerplate from whatever store you built don't get me wrong if you're working with a larger store what you're working in an etsy or an amazon place where you have kind of this overarching um, business that you're working through, they're going to have policies that you can't change. They're going to have policies that you have to abide by. Otherwise, if this is your own e-commerce store, whether or not you're using a template or whatever the hell, whatever kind of uh, holistically, which you, how you've put it together, whether it's yourself or you've done this with some sort of product, um, you don't want to use those policies that are available to you. You want to spell out your own. So clear payment, shipping, and return policies need to be something you establish from the get-go. Uh, when we're doing online processing, we want to make sure that everybody knows exactly where they stand uh, on payment, on returns, and what can and can't be returned, because it will become part of the issue you're dealing with. Having made multiple company stores over the years and having dealt with the stuff that goes on in, in the process, not spelling that out or being kind of wishy-washy about how that stuff works will cause you problems down the line. So make sure if you want to en engender that trust with your clients, they need to know exactly where they stand. Uh, second, you have to have at least one and honestly, mostly more than one well-monitored channel for customer communication. Why am I making well-monitored such a big point here? It's very easy for all of us to throw 
all of our social media, every other place where you might contact us, an email address, a phone number, whatever it is, all onto our websites. These days, we can also put live chat buttons in very easily. If that is something you're going to offer, someone has to be on the other end. It either needs to be spelled out that they're not, if it's going to be a certain kind of support hours, if there's something else that kind of mitigates when someone's going to be on, who's going to be available, spell that out. And if someone's not going to be watching something, you need to turn it off. You need to not mention it. I've seen lots of decorators go out there and they throw out their, like, let's say they have their Instagram channel. They have somewhere where they're showing graphics and they want to have currency of the graphics or what they're working on, on their site. But with that Instagram handle, they're not answering any sort of comments. They're not answering you know, messages that come through that. Well, then you have to be careful about making that part of the site. If someone's going to be available, they're going to have an opportunity to contact you. That method of contact must be followed and, and replied to. Uh, just to kind of give you a heads up from kind of like, like the Amazon side of things, it is required unless you want to be penalized to reply within 24 hours. I think that is the bare minimum you must be replying to people within a 24 hour period. It's not, that's not a question. Now I think honestly, most of us do that. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> seven days a week. If you have an online store, you're going to have to reply to people within 24 hours. If you're on any of the big platforms, I think it's a good thing to consider for your own store. Also, honestly, if you have the ability for people to contact you and you have some way for them to get attached to you, uh, Every 24 hours, for sure, you need to be clear on your customer messages, particularly ones that refer to anything functional. You do not want to lose a sale over someone asking a very basic question that you could have handled quickly. So that's the kind of thing where, though I, I am all about boundaries and setting yourself up so you don't kind of spend all of your time on, you do need to make time or have someone make time within your organization for answering those things every 24 hours. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's just super critical. And honestly, like uh, like Lenny says in the comments here, it's absolutely true. Amazon does not mess around with that. You will lose points. You will lose kind of I said, the Amazon points. The status you have with Amazon will change if you don't do that. Yeah. Uh, it starts to become part of what we call NCX, which is negative customer experience. And that's what we're trying to avoid with all this stuff. And a lot of what we what negative customer experience really boils down to is a mismatch between what, what you think you've told them or what they think they, that you've told them, what they expect, and what you're actually doing. That mismatch is best handled by notifying people ahead of time. So that's your that's your policies and that's yeah, how you yeah. communicate. Yeah. And then and lastly, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, just roll that's through okay. these because we have so much I want to talk about today. Yeah. Uh, but the third thing is you need to have clear, simple navigation. We're going to talk about like store styles and stuff later and get more into the weeds. But whatever store you have, it should be very obvious from one moment to the next what the next thing the customer needs to do is. If there are not clear calls to action or clear navigational aids to let them know where to go, people will go everywhere. They will get lost. It should be very easy for them to know where to go to get things done. So clear sample navigation, also just a massive you know, plus. Now, like I said, most of the time, if you're working with some sort of templating site or some sort of service that's going to give you an online store, they've thought this out. But then think about when you're kind of curating your collection or putting things together or organizing things or writing up your menus. Just remember at all times, there shouldn't be a time when people are unclear about where they need to go. Hmm. Okay. All right. Huge. Yeah, that's that's a lot. That's a lot of really great stuff there. You know, and that's, <laughs> that's just the basics to get us started. I, I know you've oh, yeah. got a lot of other things you want to cover here, but For can sure. we can we 
hit two things inside of what sure. you were just talking about there. Absolutely. Because I love that you shared about the, what was it called? The NCS or NCX. Yeah. Negative customer experiences. Yeah. 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 Which includes, includes returns, by the way, returns are technically kind of negative customer experiences. There you go. Okay. All right. Let's so, about that. but I also love that you said that what that is, is not, you know, because I think a lot of people, we think that to be really good at customer service, we just have to bend over backwards and say yes to the customer all the time. No, and no. the reality of that is that it's actually the opposite of that bending over backwards and being wishy-washy and, and all that kind of stuff is going to create more of that, right? It's, it's, setting your expectations very clearly up front, like you talked about there, those, yeah, those policies absolutely. established and then delivering or over delivering on, on those expectations. Yeah. One of the pitfalls that I'm going to mention, if we have, if we have time to get to them today is absolutely about that over promising. Um, well, I'm not we'll making see. any promises. I'm going to no, allow yeah. us to get to that, but <laughs> no promises, but yeah, absolutely. It's that mismatch. Like I said, it's the, it's the dissonance between one thing and the other. If we have a thought in our mind, about what we think and expect, like what we think and expect our uh, engagement to be with something. And it turns out to be something else. Even if that's our mistake as, as customers, we kind of feel cheated. We feel like somebody's getting us, you know, that's, yeah, that's yeah. how they get you. You know, they, they say one thing, it's the bait and switch. They say one thing and do another. Now, <laughs> truthfully, there's lots of customers who are just have decided <laughs> that's something that's going on, but clear communication and making sure they know exactly what's on the table is how we make it less likely for that to happen. I am going to yeah. go ahead and preface all this by saying uh, with my long history in e-commerce, you will be dealing with random cranks who just don't get it. That's going to happen. That's not an if, that's a when. You yeah. will absolutely be dealing with people who are just not great communicators or who are just horrible to talk to. That just happens. <laughs> just or just having some things going on in their lives that you don't understand, right? <laughs> absolutely. But the way we make the best chance of not dealing with that is by just being really clear. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yes, yeah. So, okay, one one other thing before I let let sure. us move on here, and and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to this, Eric. I know we can sure, <laughs> sure. Um, so back to those policies and establishing those too. I, mm. I I've also run into the situation where most of the time we set up our policies post crappy thing happening to us, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and and I always want to make sure that you know when I'm working with folks and and looking at setting up their customer services, what what's the reason for that policy that is the reason that it's good for the customer, right? When, you, mm -hmm. when you're setting up those expectations, yeah. right, there's a reason you need to get artwork in a certain amount of time. There's a reason that you need a certain file format. And yeah. yes, it makes your job as the decorator easier, but it also makes the experience for the customer better because they know what's expected of them, right? And so I, I think changing our mindset on how we write those policies um, and, yeah. and maybe you'll talk about this more, but I, I just thought that was really important to, to kind of put it into the basics. You know, actually, though, it's not something that I usually talk about here. Where I kind of learned this is from dealing with the promo products industry. If you guys were to promotional products, I mean, even back in the day, you would get emails or even further back, if you had order forms or faxes, there'd be big, bold letters that says, if you don't approve this by this day, this production date won't happen. Yeah. Like they made it incredibly clear that you had a role in this thing. And if you didn't fulfill that role, that was going to compromise the rest of this process. And even though a lot of them were just like, I remember these emails with big red text. As soon as we had HTML email that could allow you to have giant red text, we had big red letters that said, we need an approval by this date. But even back then, that 
that might be the harsher way of doing it. We don't have to yell at everybody about everything, but being incredibly clear about what the results are from not following through the process is a useful thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just why that's important for the customer, yeah. right? They, they want a good experience too. They, they don't want to be a pain in the butt. You know, I mean, no. like you said, there may be a couple of people, but <laughs> that's, that's the thing. It's a, it's a, usually a minor percentage of people who are doing it. Most people yeah. are, are honestly going to go through the process and in a, a world now where everybody says millennial, like they're these super young group of people. Those are the major working age, working group of people. Those are the people yeah. who are in the workforce. Yeah this concept of like young people who just don't want to talk on the phone. Fine. If you, if you hate that, whatever, that's fine. People don't necessarily want to have to be contacting you every two minutes. If they can get clear, concise policies and understand their position, you may not hear from them at all. And that yeah. might be exactly what they want. And yeah. part of, part of making that happen is to remove that friction and make sure all of those expectations are out on the table from the get-go. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So a couple of comments from the regulators here. Yes. Eric uh, Letty says, uh, being clear and concise with a product delivery that delights makes yep. the customer feel right. Like, I, yeah. Sing a song. I use that term all the time. Delight is one of the ways that we establish value. And I think that honestly, little things that delight, little extra touches make a big difference when we can't be direct with our personalities with people. We can't necessarily talk to them directly. Yeah. The way we fulfill is how we're communicating to them. Aside awesome. from, of course, the messaging on the front end, but the way we yeah. fulfill the last experience that customer gets to have with you is opening the box. Yeah. We should always remember that. Yeah. And Lenny says uh, clear product descriptions and photos. 100%. I'll talk about that if we get to it. But yeah, yeah we have <laughs> making sure you communicate everything you need to is important. I, I just think it's you're you're assuming that we're going to talk too much, Eric. I don't know where this is coming from. I know what I wrote on the outline today. <laughs> All right. Well, then let me stop being in the way because uh, <laughs> that's question number one, right? Sure, sure. Um, so uh, here we go. So we're 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 going to make some assumptions, right? We we've, okay. we've got the basics out of the way. We yeah. you know so you're just play along in the cycle, so to speak. Here, you know, you've got all that. Everything's functional. Policies are all spelled out. Um, you're present for your customers. Um, what else, you know, what, what, what's phase two? Well, here's the thing. I, I think a lot of what people don't do is think about kind of the focus of their stores. So the real pillars are these kind of foundational choices that you have to make to decide how you're going to operate, right? Hmm. When we first kind of come to e-commerce, the first concept is usually I'm going to take what I do from my brick and mortar store and replicate it. So if you're a custom decorator, you're like, all right, how do custom orders come in? Well, they come in, I have a discussion, we do a quote, we have this image, then we go back and forth and then, or, or maybe they decorate, they do a design and they send it in to me. So maybe I need an online designer. Those are all viable things you can do. But for my money, most of the success I've had is by doing curated company stores. And this is the great thing is that if you are doing curated stores for individual clients or even groups of clients or particular niches, your store can be like your actual brick and mortar shop is the fulfillment channel. You are essentially the contractor for your own online stores. It means that each one of these stores or front facing kind of spaces gets to be whatever it needs to be for that particular client. You don't need to replicate the brick and mortar experience of custom decorating in order to have an e-commerce store. And frankly, I haven't found that that's the best way for people unless they're doing the kinds of decoration, like the digital decoration, where it makes a lot of sense for someone to do that design themselves and kick things through to you. And you're doing kind of like high, like high personalization, low volume, more expensive boutique work. Then having like an online designer and all the kind of 
customization on the front end makes more sense for what I've done, at least through my career, most of the money I've made in e-commerce, it's more of a retail style experience. It's curated collections for specific customers or customer segments. And honestly, it's presented more like a retail experience with pre-decorated garments or with decoration plus customization or selecting specific decorations for a particular client. Yeah. And Eric, I think real quick to just make sure that everybody's clear here, because yeah. I think where I know I would have gotten confused or, or where I've seen confusion for other folks is what we're talking about here today is actual mm -hmm. e-commerce. They buy a product online. Yes. Right. This is different from your web presence, right? Yeah. When you're talking about yeah. focus here. So I, I love that you, you made that very clear that oh, yeah. people need to kind of think about what the, the real driver is going to be here. Well, honestly, there's nothing wrong with the concept of the general purpose store mm -hmm. where you're saying, all right, I am a decorator. You can come to me with anything, get decoration. I think most people find more success using those to generate quotes mm -hmm. and to use them as a quoting vehicle so that you can come back to them more than necessarily doing online decoration. Like I said, if you have digital decoration, you have the ability to do that in a way that is sustainable and your prices make sense for that retail style experience. You can do that decoration directly. You can give people online designers the ability to upload images, whatever you want to do. That is a feasible thing to do, yeah. but it's not the only thing to do. And like I said, the experience of someone coming to your showroom and dealing with something, you know, literally is not always the best experience. And for the right customer, uh, and the way I always usually describe them, and this is something I've written about just recently um, that you will see soon in, in a magazine we may have talked about, um, <laughs> is Graphics Pro. <laughs> yeah, it, it might be coming up. I don't know. I can't. I can't verify this. Uh, is that you may have that kind of company store. If you have the customer that has either the right amount of turnover in their people, the right amount of turnover in their garments, if they're a regional or a national with multiple branches, you can give them a lot of value by providing a store that people can order from to the point that they will tolerate pretty high prices per garment to have a direct fulfillment for their employees or for their uh, the end user who's related to their store or team. And I think that's the thing is that we think about we think about going online as just putting ourselves online. Like if I am, you know, X print company, I'm now X print company online and we do exactly the same thing. Yeah. Whereas I think the more powerful thing is to think about it. Funny enough, people who do team sales kind of know this more because people who do schools and team sports are more likely to do this because back in the day it was individual order forms and then it moved on to these individual sites. We should be doing that with companies and company stores. And I think it's just something to make sure that people understand it. It really is powerful for the right customer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing in this, Eric, and, and you, you can talk to this better than I can, sure, but sure. I, I think, you know, we do, we, we see the cool toys. We, you, like you talked about, we wanted to say I'm company X here. Yeah. I'm going to be yeah. company X online. And then, oh, I've got this really cool online design software. I've got this tool that I can put out there. But when you put a blank canvas in front of somebody and say, here you go, you can make whatever you want. Our customers are not going there. I mean, they, let, let's not just always, be honest. Yeah. They're coming to us for that design experience. And, yeah. and if they could create from scratch on their own, I would imagine they're probably also going to be resourceful enough to figure out how to decorate it on their own or, or find more of a wholesale scenario. Quite possibly. And, and we'll put it this way, at least that not all customers are there. You know, that not all customers come to you with ready art. Yeah. 
The customer is not the kind of person who comes to you with ready art that is absolutely good to go. If you're going to walk them through that process, um, if they're in your showroom, you can expect that same kind of customer is going to show up online. Yeah. And honestly, the other thing people often will ask me too, is like, oh, well, what about if I have a niche product category or something like that where I'm establishing it? Then the other thing is, it's a great way to give yourself a new persona to sell into that niche is by having an online store that only caters to that niche. And then you essentially just become that store. But that store is the product line. It's now not you, you know, X printing. It is whatever the name of that product line is that serves that niche. Yeah. So yep. the great thing, like I said, the great thing about e-commerce is we can kind of have these multiple phases, these multiple personalities, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not false. It's just a, a way of us serving exactly the customer who we're trying to serve. And that's one of the things that I'm, I'm going to talk about repeatedly is that we need to think about our customer and profile who it is we, we think we're serving or who we want to serve with something and make sure we're targeting them directly. And one of the great ways to do that is to have their own place to go. Because yeah. I've seen this repeatedly dealing with people because you guys also know I've worked at a business software company before where we did this. I've seen people who want to make one site that does everything for everybody and they just spider off along these branches of like, okay, you're at a school, then go to the school side. And then from the school site, you go to this, this sports section and then you pick these three things. And they have gone so far down the tree each time that people kind of don't know where they're at. Whereas it would have made a lot more sense to say, all right, Let's put less, maybe less effort into some of the design work. We make a template that works for multiple schools, but we say, all right, change the colors. Here it is. If you're from this school, from this sport, maybe a site overarching for the school, and yeah. then you select a sport and go down. You can do that much, but you don't want to go through five, six, seven, eight, you know, tree branches to get down to where you're buying. Yeah. Um, that That is always going to be kind of a non-starter for certain folks. They're going to get frustrated before they get there. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, okay. So we've got kind of this focus established. We've got sure, a new sure. way of thinking about this, which I love, you know, and, and there's some universal pillars and, and that's what I want to get to here. Um, you've been sharing some, some pillars already, but what questions should they be asking themselves as they put their store together? Well, I mean, the, we have multiple kind of big questions we ask. And I think thinking about your customer in the first place is the big question, but they all stem from one major kind of underlying question. And this is what I find people not thinking about with e-commerce. They don't think about it as its own entity and as the best method. So this is kind of what I, what I want people to ask. What makes my e-commerce store the best way to buy this product, the product I'm serving, for the particular client I want to serve? The best way. That's the thing. It shouldn't be an afterthought or a backup or a different method of order entry from what you're currently doing. If you want it to live on its own, it should have things that are specific to the online store, whether that is literal direct value you're handing somebody, you can do everything from promotions and, or, you know, other sorts of value ads like loyalty points. There's ways you can do that that are available on all these platforms now. You can do that, do direct value or something that provides value to the customers is just unique to the online ordering process. Like reducing friction, making it easier to order or offering other kinds of benefits. I know when I talk about like the company store side of things or even the team sales side of things, one of the things I always offer or talk about as, as part of that offer is the ease of ordering and the ease of managing information. So if you're coming at this from, let's say, a team's, team sales or maybe even, like I said, a company store setup where you have multiple employees, multiple members who all have names and personalization that goes on their specific pieces, 
if you remember the big bad old days of group orders, it means that you've got a purchaser on the other end and it is now your customer's job to collect all the money, to collect all the orders, to get everybody's name spelled right and present that information to you. If you move them onto a website that has individual ordering, even if you're collecting it and doing a mass production run, which you still can do through e-commerce, um, you, like I said, I love moving to the individual order format because there's also this kind of con continuity of having the store running all the time, especially if digital decorating. But the object of it being that I'm going to remove labor from the person who's usually paying me for this stuff. You are no longer collecting all this information, making sure everybody's names are spelled right, chasing down team moms and or employees to get, you know, money put together for some sort of buy that you're doing for an event. All of this is happening now online. You don't have to touch it. The people whose names are on the garments are spelling them themselves. And in the end, your life is easier. And that's kind of the big question. It's something that I, I've said repeatedly, and I'll probably say it again today. The overarching question that, that seems goofy to ask is, how does my store, my product make the person's life better? How does ordering from me make their life better? It's the big question. It sounds corny, but it yeah. is the right question. And the same thing with the store. When we're talking about the online store, if it's a background option, if it's something that is you know, markedly worse as an option to just calling you, sure. why would anybody use it? Yeah, it should have benefits that are unique to that store. Now, don't get me wrong. There's always people who are going to want to call. There's always going to be brick and mortar people who want to deal with you directly. And there's nothing sure. wrong with that. And it's a valuable thing to offer. But the store should have a reason for existing. It's not just to hang your placard out there and say, I've got an e-commerce store too. You have to. So I do. If the <laughs> store doesn't have a reason to exist and doesn't have a pathway to have, have that experience be something uniquely valuable, yeah. then there's really no reason for the store to be there. It, yeah. You should have that purpose and there should be specific benefits. And honestly, the, the biggest thing for me is always about reducing friction, removing the amount of steps to get somebody sold and or taking the person who's doing the mass purchasing and or the person who's the contact was when you're dealing with company stores and taking that work away from them, giving a little bit of work back to the individual people who are ordering and mm. taking it off the shoulders of the person who actually is putting the money behind, let's say like a company uniforming program is a massive benefit to them because those people, those purchasers who come from you know companies often are taking this work on, on top of something else. You've got somebody in HR, you've got somebody in some other group who's like being tasked with ordering this stuff. They're not, it's not their job necessarily yeah. to make that happen. And if you can take that work away from them, you become a very easy choice. Yeah. And websites are a great way to handle that. It becomes you now that because you can have a website that is little more honestly than a glorified order form. But if you give it the right attention and the right content, it can still have a retail feeling experience that makes your company look good, that builds your brand and manage all of that information for someone in a way that still the delivery still can be ordered by this date. And we put out a mass thing. I think there's more to it. I think it, it's really valuable to offer continual decoration on demand. Yeah. If you can. Yeah. But even if you can't, you can still do a super traditional bulk order with this as an order collection method. And it's still incredibly valuable to the customer. Yeah. I like that. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to push the buttons here real quick. <laughs> sure, <Eric>. so, uh, <laughs> Letty says it's the same experience that people hate when calling a number and having to listen to everything and select an option, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, Oh, for sure. People want direct contact. I mean, they, yeah. they don't want to wait through tons of options. And honestly, yes, you can still do the 
category stories. I've done category stories. And even when you're doing company stories, it's often the case, especially when they have like multiple locations or multiple divisions that they're going to have to select through a menu. I'm not saying that never happens. Sure. It's when people want, always want to direct it back to, like I said, the X printing store that shows our brand first may not be the best way to get that trust from the customer and direct them to the sale. Yeah. Um, even if that's where you start, that shouldn't be the link that you're serving the customer. Serve them the link that gets them <laughs> as close as they can be to the buy button. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what you're looking for. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, let's, uh, we're going to get this done, Eric. I, I, I feel <laughs> sure. it. I feel good about it. Um, sure, let's keep rolling. So I, you're thinking about the way that the, the store presents the products, right? So sure, n- sure. now we're getting into the nitty gritty here. Are, are yeah. there some specific things to look for in, in, in how you describe your products and, and kind of how you show your work? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like I said previously, ask that big question once again. The first question was, hey, what purpose does a store have? How is it the best way to buy? Okay. The second purpose or the second thing we should think about is the purpose of the product. How is owning the product, using the product going to make the customer's life better? And I once again, sounds corny because I know we're not we're not out here changing lives of t-shirts. I, I get that concept. However, we should think about the fact that this is supposed to provide a benefit and we need to show that benefit pretty clearly. And, and one of the things we can do to ruin that very quickly is to use kind of the baked in copy and Hey, no, no shade. Once again, to the people who are out there selling garments, but if we go to our catalogs and just copy out the catalog copy or copy out all the catalog images <laughs> without any additions, without any other descriptions, <laughs> then we're just providing the garment the garment catalog. Like that's, yeah. that's fine. But most of the way that's written is for us. You know, it's written right. for us. We are the right customer for that. We want to know certain things about the garment that may or may not be important to the customer. And we want some bare bones descriptions that exactly tell us about that garment. Correct. Yeah. Your it's customer the features. wants more. Yeah, yeah. We want features because what yeah. we're looking for is we know what the customer is going to use it for. We're going to talk to them about that. We want the features that we know. We want to know how the garment decorates. Let yeah. me tell you how many times I've seen somebody copy something over and they're talking about like the accessibility of decoration through zipper pockets on a jacket and it's on the customer facing site. The customer doesn't care how your embroidery hoop goes into the back of a jacket. Moreover, they don't understand it. And they're like, what do you mean? There's a pocket on the back that what is it? What do you mean? A yeah, liner I've bucket? got this random pocket. I yeah. didn't really want. <laughs> do I put a, do I put something in the liner pocket? Is that for me? And no, it's not. It's a decoration area that probably shouldn't even be on the customer site. They shouldn't see that. So if you're just copying chunks out of a, you know, out of a catalog site or you're letting it auto fill in and it happens to have those things in it, um, it might be worthwhile for, for you to take a look at that copy and present it differently. Go to some retail websites and see how they present garments. Um, yes, features are there. People want to know things like, you know, to a degree, they want to know things like uh, the fiber content and stuff like that. That's 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 there. It's important to have those things there. However, our copy should be more than a description. It should have something to say about what I consider the results. And in this case, it is what is this thing going to be good for? Where am I wearing it? How am I wearing it? How does it feel? What's the experience that I'm going to have if I have this thing versus not? I mean, that's what we're looking for. And the images are similar too. When I'm doing company stores, yeah, sometimes it's just mock-ups. Sometimes we're using garment decoration images that were straight out of the catalogs and we're mocking up the decorations on them. I'm not saying you're going to go to complete photography with everything you do. If you have a big enough customer or you're producing your own decorative line or you have a a line of, let's say, uh, resort wear or something that you're offering to multiple companies, but you're the originator of the line, I think you probably want to go all the way out to doing photography for yourself on decorated goods. Yeah. I think that's probably a good idea. Yeah. But the images should be both instructive 
and should be kind of aspirational. We'll, and we'll talk about that. Like they should show the decoration, the details of the garment for sure. I, I, I kind of have these shots that I usually go for an action shot where it's on a person. And that's usually a person that's the aspirational shot. It's on a person who's, who is attractive, who's, who matches kind of the ethos of whatever it is that niche is. If you can, uh, like I said, this is where you, that's where we're going to go. If we're going all the way to a brand or we're going to a company where we're going to serve you know, it's worthwhile for us to serve this company in that level. Not every company, not every team store is going to be like this. Um, a garment shot, something that shows the entire garment and shows us the, the features of the garment, a decoration shot that shows us the entirety of the decoration on that garment edge to edge. So we can see everything that's decorated. Um, and often in the garment shot you're, or in the decoration shot, we're going to see placement while we're looking at that. And then, especially for embroiderers, I always tell them to take the texture shot, which is like a close off angle shot where you can see that embroidery is three dimensional and stands off of the surface because embroidery, that is its specific benefit. The reason I mentioned the texture shot, though, even though I'm I'm not just talking about embroidery here, is that small detail shots or up close shots can be either for the garment or the decoration. They should show the unique quality that is going to delight the customer. If it's dimensionality, if it's reflectivity, if it's a certain kind of texture, if it's uh, distressed applique, whatever it is, those detailed tight shots are there to say, check out this cool texture and show people things that they can't feel, but in a way that makes it textural where they think about how it feels. They think about how it looks. So close off angle shots are great for that. But when we're talking about kind of the images, these are the kind of categories we put them in. They should be functional. So we're showing the garment, we're showing the fit, we're showing the different features, where the zippers are, where the buttons are, everything else. Uh, brand building. So we have images that show kind of the, the culture of the store. So it doesn't have to be the company necessarily. It can be the store, the line, the team, whatever it is. These are the, sh- these are the ones where they're in a site. The shot makes sense. The area that you're in is attractive or the backdrop you use is attractive. The person yeah. who it's on is part of that category or the culture. And then the aspirational shots too, where it's like, if I were wearing this piece, what would my life look like? And that's those action shots where you show somebody wearing the garment, you show somebody using the accessory in a scenario that is attractive to that, to the segment that you're trying to work from. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, those are, that's going above and beyond because admittedly some of the smaller stories you're going to do are just going to be catalog mock-ups. But having that in mind still lets you know the kind of functions you need to serve with your images. You may have one hero image on your website that is your aspirational shot or your action shot. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. I, I love that, it, that that stuff's really fresh in my mind too. Uh, shout mm-hmm. out to Sheila Ryan. She uh, just did a training inside of our success group for our members nice. about nice. photography and it was fantastic. Covered a lot of things that you mentioned there, but we're going into yeah. details and she's got a whole whole lay plan for creating all of those things. And I think I need to go check out, right. <laughs> check out that OSG class, see what I missed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Get in there, Eric. You missed that. Oh, one. Yeah, um, no, yeah, you'll love it. And Sheila did a fantastic job. So I, I think she was, I saw her earlier saying hello. So nice. Shout out nice. to Sheila again. Um, okay. So we've covered a lot of stuff, right? We've, we've got a lot of good information as far as our pillars here. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. And you've been giving us a lot to think about when building our sites. And so what things, I guess, where do things fall apart? You know, kind of what are those pitfalls? And and I, I love that you do this pillars and pitfalls thing because the pitfalls yeah. are great because it helps us understand what we need to kind of be aware of, what we need to avoid, yeah. right? So where do you see decorators going wrong here? You know, I kind of divide them up into four categories when I present the pitfalls for this because it's the kind of stuff that comes up over and over again. Now, 
there are more mistakes we could talk about because <laughs> we all make a plethora of mistakes that we all learn from. And I have, I am not, you know, free of that at all. I've made tons of mistakes in my, my career doing e-commerce, but these kind of four categories, um, these are attentive and they kind of work on that pillar. So it's like the pillars I've already discussed, the things that we already talked about, each of these categories of pitfalls, if you look back to them, what it is, is a failure to kind of uphold one of these foundational things that we need to work uh, on. Okay. So if we look at pillars and pitfalls, why do I use that for so many things, whether it's digitizing or embroidery or anything, right? The pillars and pitfalls, reason I do that is that they reinforce each other. The pillars of the foundation we stand on, the pitfalls are when we ignore one of these things, one of the pillars falls out, right? We don't have something standing up under us. We lost a leg on our table and now we're wobbly. But uh, here are the things that I, I usually kind of, call the major categories of pitfalls. Uh, number one, of course, absolutely is lacking responsiveness. I cannot tell you how many times as a decorator that I have taken someone's job from them, someone who already had a job in the queue, and I am taking your job as a decorator. I'm drinking your milkshake because I answered the customer quicker than you did. <laughs> it is ridiculous how many times I've heard somebody say, I've been working for them for a long time, but we're three days out of communication and I just need to find out if I can get this done. Um, they're not answering my calls. I know they usually handle this stuff pretty well, but is this something you could fit in if I can't get somebody else online and I get a quote for them. And when we get that quote done, we're usually going to get that job. If you have an answer by the time we have, because people just want certainty. They don't want to be floating, especially if they have things like an event going on. They don't want to be floating and not knowing what's going to happen. And, I'm not, and like I said, I have messed this up before. I'm not going to pretend I haven't. Uh, luckily, when you work with larger platforms, this stuff's reinforced for you. And the thing I, I will tell you about this is if you are not on a platform, let's say like the Amazons and Etsy's of the world that absolutely hold you to 24-hour standard, it's a great idea when a customer's comment comes in to star stuff and say, all right, anything that's starred that needs a reply by the end of our day, I really need to reply to those things. If it's something that needs, because it can also be, this is the thing too, if you can't get to a full quote or something has something complicated, the first reply doesn't have to be the full quote, but you need to reply pretty quickly. There needs to be a heartbeat that says, yes, a human being is here to handle your problem if they need to talk to somebody. Um, it's okay to say, all right, that's excellent. I'm going to get that to you tomorrow morning. I have to get that quote together. There's information I need to yeah. put together, but I got your quote and you're taken care of. Yeah. But then follow through on that. If you told them that, you have to follow through on that. Like I said, yeah. I haven't always been the best in every segment of my world, but in e-commerce, that's something we usually do. And I'll say this too, when people come in with normal quotes, this is something when, when people are emailing you quotes unrelated to an e-commerce site, the quickness of that first answer, it's surprising how much that can make a difference to how people consider your willingness to do the job and your eagerness to be there for them. But yeah, don't lack responsiveness. You need to be there for the customers. If there's a channel that's open, answer the channel. Best thing to remember. Uh, second thing is lacking clarity. We talked about the direction of the store. We, in general, we're saying, all right, when we're building a store, is it company focused or is it general purpose? But in general, whether it's the direction of the store or the create uh, the curation of the of the kind of segment, so let's say the kind of garments that we're selecting, the kind of decorations we're putting together, or the policies themselves, not being clear about those, 
being very muddy about how you handle things or hard to understand with a customer causes problems. It just makes it harder to figure out where they stand with you. And that lack of clarity can cause problems down the road. Now, don't get me wrong. There are certain customers who no matter the policies are going to be grumps. I've, I've said it repeatedly. There's a percentage of people who are always going to take you to task or believe that they deserve something for existing. Yeah, <laughs> they just probably. exist. These customers yeah, are there. No, there. There's no lie. However, getting those things together and making sure you have that clarity when you're communicating and also making sure that anyone who is customer facing has the same concepts in mind. If you don't have everybody in the building on brand with the same policies, or if there are per people who are contacting customers where you have different policies inside the brick and mortar store, talking to someone that you do online and they accidentally give the policies from the other product, you know, they're, if you have a different way of dealing with custom customers than you do with people who are, uh, doing these online orders, you have to be very clear with whoever's doing customer relations of any kind, what those policies are and how the website works. So clarity of communication, the store direction. Uh, and like I said, clarity of the curation too. Sometimes you will have just a wacky garment that doesn't fit in and that garment doesn't sell. It's, you know, it's not because the customer did something wrong. Sometimes you're just not being very clear with where things belong, or you haven't really thought about the customer and you just thought something was neat and put it on the website. It's, it's not, it's not deadly to your, to your customer, but you'll just find that things underperform when they don't match the customer expectations. So clarity with, uh, with your direction, clarity with your policies is always useful. Uh, third kind of category for this, blaming the customer. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard this, like my customers are just stupid. They don't get it. They don't know how to order my website. They don't, they don't figure out how to do this. They don't do the approvals correctly. They don't know how to use the designer, whatever it is. Somebody will blame the customer and talk about how stupid they are and get gruff. Now, don't get me wrong. We always complain there, there, there's a little bit of, you know, getting that off your chest when you're having a bad day that can be okay. But ultimately this is the, there's a nice way of putting it and a bad way of putting it. The nice way of putting it is, um, there's usually a breakdown of communication that causes this. And here's the mean, slightly gruff mercenary way that I often put this to get this cl clear. Uh, okay, if your customer is stupid and you would like their stupid money, you better learn how to talk to stupid people. <laughs> you would like them to pay you for a product and, it's, and these people are the people who you're selling to and that is your intended client. Uh, it's your job to be able to teach, teach these stupid customers, and I'm putting this in big quotes because I don't like this way of putting it, <laughs> how to purchase from you or to make your website, your store, your concept so dead simple that these quote unquote stupid customers can't mess it up. Yeah. You've got to make it idiot proof if you're selling to idiots. That sounds terrible. I don't think your customers are idiots. I think you're probably not communicating well. Your site is probably confusing. Yeah. Uh, and it's take hard responsibility. because <laughs> yeah, take responsibility for that. And here's the thing, even if you think it's the quote unquote their fault, cool, still your responsibility, still something you're going to have to fix by making your store work. Yeah. So. It, blame the customer all you want, but you're the one who's going to have to make the work around to make those customers work if you want to keep working with that particular customer. That's on you. So usually it's under-informing uh, or the other problem we have is we get too close to things. So though I'm going to tell you repeatedly to kind of like taste your own cooking and run through your own website, um, you get too close to it. You should watch somebody or ask people who are related to you, someone else who's never used your site before to go through an entire process of ordering watch them do it or ask them to tell you, tell you someone you trust to tell you all the processes and what, where they missed things. Because if you're working on the site yourself or building it, you can start doing the workarounds, not realizing that you're doing something goofy to make the site work. Yeah. Uh, you have to have people test it. Yeah. And then the last one huge, as we talked about earlier is just over promising. 
and back in the day, what I used to see is people who didn't have digital decoration processes would be willing to say, yep, I can do individual garments. Like they're doing traditional screen printing and they're, and they're selling individual garments and they're not pricing it in a great way. And they're saying they can do it overnight when they may or may not have that ability. And so they get into this point of over promising something that they're not really willing to or able to do and just hoping that people don't do it or trying to find some work around and that over promising ended up kind of hurting them. Most of the time I see this now is just people who aren't very clear about what the real time things will take is and they want to they want to offer Amazon Prime times and they don't have Amazon Prime production. And that's fine. It's better to tell people ahead of time when you're going to be able to produce than to say you'll produce at a time and and not make it. Now, don't get yeah. me wrong. We all have these things that happen. We have issues with uh, with these deadlines that can happen. But when we're talking about an online site, it, they're not dealing with a person. They're dealing with the site as the primary mode of contact. They have those expectations set for them. You have a chance to set them ahead of time. Don't get me wrong. People are expecting quicker turnaround times than they used to but it's still better by far to present a turnaround time that is realistic than to constantly under deliver. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Those are some, and, and I love, like you said, when you really look at it, they all tie right back into the pillars. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's the thing. The flip side of any of those pillars is, is a pitfall. Yeah. Ignoring any of the kind of portions of that segment, ignoring the foundation will absolutely have you fall through the floor. <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure. All right. Well, We've covered a ton of ground here today, Eric. This has been great. Um, but we always have to squeeze the last bit of blood out of you here, buddy. Um, <laughs> sure. Give us give us a, a final, you know, kind of closing tip or two to to get us ready to kind of close up the show. Um, and and I guess one other thing, there there is a question in in the yeah. comments there. You think we got time to to cover that one? Sure. We'll do the last couple of tips and then we'll hit a couple of questions and comments before we get done. Okay. All right. Sounds good. So tips first, <laughs> questions okay. next. So go ahead. <laughs> so the last, last couple little tips I'll leave you with. I've already kind of mentioned one, but we'll still go ahead and go for it. These are things we, we mentioned throughout the show, but the two things I'd like to recommend you do for your e-commerce. Number one, imagine your customer. Uh, create a profile of a real person or persons to whom you want to sell and think about what they need. And I know it sounds goofy to be imagining a fake person, what have you, but the truth of the matter is it's just a good framework to help you figure yep. things out and to determine your audience because the other big pitfall people fall into, they build the online store for themselves and you are not your target audience. You're almost never your target audience. Sometimes you might fall into it. If you're selling into a niche and you belong to that niche, you might be part of the target audience, but you're not necessarily the person who's going to buy. So building the site for yourself is usually a bad call. Think about the person that you're selling to. Think about the kind of garments they want. Think about what, what problems you're going to solve that they have, either through the product that you're offering or through the way you operate your store. So when we're saying, how do we make this the best way to interact with us? When we talk about what, what the purpose for our store, we say, say that understanding that we're fulfilling the needs of this particular target person, this imagined customer or customer segment. So imagine the person you're selling to. And then the second one, uh, honestly, I can't say it enough. Taste your own cooking is the way I put it. Uh, if you're in the software world, it's eat the dog food, eat your own dog food. Um, what it means is you have to go through your site and do your own sample purchases. And yes, this means to the point of using your own credit card and buying, even though you're going to lose transaction process money in the process, go through your entire e-commerce process, including paying for it and ship yourself the piece in the way that you would ship it normally. 
go through the entire production and purchase process and look for kind of leaks down the stream, look for problems in the process. There are tons of people where even though they might be working well, let's say that that all works well, it's still incredibly valuable for you to do so. And in fact, anyone you have doing customer service should be given the opportunity to do the same thing so that when a customer calls and is having a problem with some portion of the process, they know where things are falling apart and your person who's doing customer resource management, whatever kind of resource management they're doing, whatever kind of customer contact they're doing, they will be able to support that end customer and they'll know what it feels like to order. Yeah. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen people on the back end of these sites who don't know what it actually looks like to order from the site. And it's just fatal because you can't really give people help if you don't know what it looks like to do a real order yourself. So yeah. taste your own cooking, do a real sample buys. And yes, that means maybe I'm losing the processing fee and I have to enter my own card. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Great advice. Great tips. Okay. So we got one question. We're going to get yeah. into bonus time here with, with a question, Eric, but for uh, sure. For sure. Joseph says, uh, what is your preference for an e-commerce platform company, Ram platforms, eBay, Amazon, Etsy, Shopify, or their own web hosted e-commerce website? Here's where we give you a non-answer answer. answer. <laughs> <laughs> and I know I'm famous for giving you a non-answer answer, but this this really depends on where your customers are going to interact with you and what you want to do. Um, one of the things that's great about big platforms like Etsy or Amazon is that people are already on them and they offer kind of a mercado or a marketplace feel. People are already there. The traffic's already there. They become leaders where they can bring you traffic. Yeah, almost There's, more advertising, marketing yes, channels, right? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I often recommend people have both their own hosted site or something that's a company hosted site and something like Amazon, because if you're lucky, you'll get people who fall in love with your product to the point that they order from you direct. And then we can cut Amazon out because Amazon is a massive percentage. I mean, sometimes you're, you know, you're into massive percentages of what you sell a product for that are going to Amazon. And I, I can't tell you what the percentages are because it depends on what your market markup is, depends on a lot of other features. But let's just say it is a non-trivial amount of money you're going to give Amazon or any of those platforms to sell on those platforms. Yeah. Now, when we're coming to the other kind of things where you're saying, okay, are we talking about Shopify or own websites or whatever else? First, I'm going to say that even if you're running some of the company hosted type sites, you have to look at things like um, the individual processing of an order. They may have a percentage like Shopify will have a, a percentage for each order that you're giving Shopify. It may make, make sense for you down the road to have your own e-commerce e website that's self-hosted or to look for a company that doesn't make that part of their payment scale. It depends on whether you have lots of small transactions or you have in like large transactions, because a lot of these things are per transaction fees or per transaction percentages. And it might make a difference um, the, the way your volume works and the way you sell. Yeah. So look at their scheme. Think about the kind of volume you're going to do and what individual orders look like and price it out. Because often the often it will depend on what your volume is and the way you order or the way that your customers order. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Eric. And, and last but not least, the other two things to think about is you can have uh, sites that are built for decorators that have integrations, and you have to think about that. If you have sites that are built for decorators that have integrations with catalogs, it might save you a lot of labor. They often come with some sort of job management on the back end. If you already have job management, trying to make those two jive can be a pain. But if you don't have job management, you might be able to use that to also uh, increase efficiency in, in your shop. And it might make more sense to have a decorator-focused store or job management setup. Whereas if you're doing company stores, a lot of my company stores were actually on off-of-the-shelf e-commerce because down the road, if you're doing 
pre-decorated products or mocking up products so that they don't have a lot of configurability. Like you're not adding text with embroidery. You're not adding personalization beyond maybe what you could put into a, a field. You're not doing like live decoration. You can use standard e-commerce to do that because most of them are going to be able to handle a color size matrix without any problems. So yeah, yeah. when we're doing company stores or team sales where the products are essentially, even if they're not really pre-decorated, we're selling a product that comes whole cloth with a decoration specified for it. We already know all the specs. We have the mock-ups or we've made the pieces. Uh, either way, that can be done with traditional e-commerce. And now we're down to the point of being able to use whatever makes the most sense for you as far as an e-commerce store, whether it's hosted or self-hosted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like that. And real quick, back to where you're sure. talking about, you know, some of those fees and other things like that that are involved. Yeah. I do think it's important for people to look at this from a return on investment standpoint, as opposed to yeah. they're taking my profit, right? Because it, there's an exchange of value at times, right? You're paying those fees and yes, maybe not all of them are, are, are good, but when you're doing the self-hosting and you know, you, you've got a lot mm -hmm. of other things that you're dealing with. And so I, I just see way too often people make these decisions based on the fact that, Oh, that, you know, so-and-so is stealing my profit. Mm, Maybe well, not. <laughs> and to remember is like the, it, it's not only cost. And, and actually I think about that with like the platforms like Amazon too. Mm -hmm. I see Amazon as a marketing budget. Yeah. Cost. I see those listing fees and things as a marketing budget cost. Yep. Because they are bringing in new people. In fact, they'll show you new to brand buyers when they come through. They'll, they'll show you on your marketing on Amazon, new to brand buyers. They understand that part of what you're doing is generating new customers. Yeah. So that that's part of that. And in fact, same thing when we're talking about hosted sites versus doing it yourself. Doing it yourself sounds really appealing, but you have to remember that opportunity costs are costs too. And if you're spending a tremendous amount of time on something, or if you don't have the integrations you need because you're using some strange self-hosted thing that doesn't have all of the integrations with payment portals or with shipping or whatever it is that you need to get this job done, that though they may be cheaper to build yourself, the, in the long run, you might be cutting off future functionality. You're going to be dealing with the updates and upgrades yourself. Uh, and you may not have what you need to continue doing the job at the best efficiency you can manage. Yeah. So it's worthwhile to remember that as you, as you work on these things, it's worthwhile to think, all right, it's not just a cost that is about what comes out of my pocket, what's on the balance books every month. It's also how much time do I want to devote to this? Can I do things that save that time for me? Or does this thing provide features, whatever this, this, this is that either bring in new customers, reduce friction in the customer process, let me offer them in a different way, allow, hey, even things like allowing my customers to do social sharing so that they can be part of the process of, you know, selling the garments. Um, all of these things should factor in. And it is about looking at those features and seeing what that, like, as Aaron says, what's the overall, you know, ROI on that stuff. Not all of that can be measured directly. And that initial cost shouldn't, as you say, shouldn't entirely just be seen as they're stealing my profits. They're offering you something back. Just make sure that it makes sense for the kind of model you're working on. Yeah, I love that. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Eric. That was uh, fantastic. <laughs> what uh, what great information today. Thank you for jumping in Thanks and much. sharing those pillars and pitfalls with us. And um, now you can go back to putting on your producer hat. Right, <laughs> right, right. But also right. guest host. 
right? So okay. host and producer, you got to have them both on. <laughs> um, so what, uh, moving out of, uh, out of e-commerce, let's go ahead and uh, sure. get on out here. So what do you got coming up here? Uh, I know yes. you've got another show today. What, what's yes, what's uh, Eric's big book of travels? <laughs> yeah. Where can you find more of me, right? Uh, so right. Like, where can people find you? Just, just the same way we do to our, our usual guests. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. today you're going to find me on ericcampbell.com, but you're going to find me doing the take-ups. So today at 2.30 Mountain Time, uh, episode 147, Embroidery Setups in Space, Creative, Productive, and Customer-Facing Faces. Uh, I've been doing a bunch of digitizing content lately, but I had a couple of people ask me about this. Two different kind of concepts. Uh, the creative spaces you're in and the production spaces, how do you set those up and what should you think about for those? And hey, what do we do with customer-facing spaces and why are those important like showrooms? So we're going to talk about a little bit of both of those things. So from equipment to storage to how we're doing our production to how we present our machine embroidery, I'm going to talk about the spaces in which we do our work and sell our wares. So from th thread walls to showrooms, that's what we're chatting about today. And I want to know how you set up your space. So join me live. You can head over to ericcampbell.com and click the take-up tab at the top to get to the uh, YouTube page if you want to, or all of the links for every other place that's here. So it's on Facebook, it's on LinkedIn, it's on, on Honestly, it's live on Twitch and Twitter. It's it's on too many platforms. If, <laughs> if there's a platform and you search by my name, you're probably going to find it. Uh, the next place you're going to find me coming up very shortly is in Dax, Minnesota. So Decorated Apparel Expo in Minnesota. Classes are coming up with me on the 30th and 31st. Remember, that is one day before the show yes. that my large workout workshop happens. So also Chicagoland as well. One day before the show, 13th and the 14th. Long workshop is on the day before the show, and that's build up your digitizing, design elements and execution. It's more of an intermediate class that goes deeper into the stuff I was teaching last year. So we started out with the foundations of digitizing. Now we're going deeper. So we're building up from there. And the shorter seminar is on the next day, uh, on the Fridays, and that's going to be Embroidery RX, a digitizer's view. And I'm going to talk about troubleshooting designs with a specific view toward what happens with the files. And you can get more info on those at DAXshow.com. Excellent. All right. All right. Well, get out there. I can't wait to see you next week. Absolutely. <laughs> saying that right I know. Now. Sorry. <laughs> heading out like Tuesday and I, I'm just dying. <laughs> it's, yeah. just, it's going so fast this spring. Yeah. All right. So where, yeah. where will we find you, sir? What do we have going on with your neck of the woods? Yeah. Yeah. Well, just another reminder, love for people to uh, head over to MOSmasterminds.com and, and check out any details. If you have any questions, you want to talk about it, right? The whole idea there is just click the button, set up a call with me and we can see if there's a way that we can partner together and, and, you know, I can use my skills with masterminding and uh, your ability to create community and, and see what we can do, see what we can create together. So, MOSmasterminds.com. Uh, as Eric was just talking about, Dax, uh, Minnesota is just around the corner here. Uh, it's just outside of Minnesota at uh, Treasure Island. I think it's Red Lake or Welsh or something like that as far as the, the city. Um, yep. Red but, Wing. Yeah. Red yeah. Wing. Red Wing. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Um, so re really cool place, though, the, the Treasure Island uh, places. So just come and have some fun, too. Right. So um, as Eric said, you know, yes, indeed. Yes. Yeah. Get, <laughs> get there the day before. So uh, we'll all yep. be there on the on the 30th. But um, the show itself will, will, will be open the 31st and the 1st of April. Um, our success group will be there in booth 606. And um, so come come hang out. Come, uh, you know. There may or may not be a blow up couch there. Okay. There will be a blow up couch there. So just come <laughs> relax and hang out. Um, I've got three classes that I'm teaching there. Um, in the morning of the first day of the show, I'll be talking about the simple art of working on your business. Um, for those of you 
playing along at home. That's called business planning. Um, but uh, <laughs> so we'll be talking about that uh, a little later on that day on the 31st. I will be discussing the five keys of marketing. I'm going to have to change that. Five pillars of marketing. I like that better. No, I'm not stealing your stuff. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> no, keys are good. The five keys of marketing. And then the next day on April 1st, uh, we're going to be talking about getting your life back. And this is a um, huge, you know, go business seminar. Really, uh, it's it's a productivity. How do we how do we manage our time, right? And just for those of you that uh, maybe have been to this before or, or or can't quite make it, the one real big tip that I'll leave you with right now is we do not have a time management problem. We have a priority management problem. So Ooh, um, <laughs> <that's> it. <laughs> it, it does for me too. I'm looking at my stack going, yep, I do I have a priority management problem. Yep. But anyway, so that's happening on April 1st. Um, like I said, a couple of weeks after that, we'll be in Dak Chicago land. So we'll talk more about that after we get done with Minnesota. But a little further on in the month, uh, I will be heading off to Peachtree City, Georgia. We had uh, Cheryl on not too long ago to uh, to talk about the Sublimation Summit. And um, so I'm looking forward to being out there. If you go to sublimationsummit.com, you can uh, get registered. I think somewhere we had some discount codes, but uh, I'll, I'll share them later, Eric. So uh, <laughs> yes, if, if you need the discount code, let me know. We'll just, we'll leave it at that. Um, and then uh, not too much further away from there, uh, we'll be heading to the Graphics Pro Indianapolis, uh, Graphics Pro Indie Show. And um, I will be out there the day before June 14th for the Start Here Academy. And uh, you can actually get signed up for Start Here Academy now. They've got that registration open. Um, if you'll just go to osg.link forward slash SHA, um, that will take you there and, and you can get all signed up. And, and uh, it's going to be a great event. I've already been talking to uh, the, the influencers and other presenters. And um, we are really working hard to put together a really great program for you. Regan and, and the rest of the crew over there at uh, Graphics Pro are um, already making this thing an awesome event. So you definitely want to be there. Start here Academy. So nice. that's what I've got going on, Eric. Um, I think that's about it though, sir, man, it's been, yeah. well, it's we're, we're in bonus time. So Terry can make fun of us, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was packed though. We had good information. It was jam packed with fantastic information. I, I hope it was useful to folks or at least yeah. made, made you think about some of the big questions. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I, I know it was. And, and, uh, um, yes, they're, they're, uh, Ramona says wonderful. I think there needs to be more advanced classes in education. So there you go. Yeah. Nice. Well, hopefully, like I said, we've got some good ones coming up and Dax, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll see, get some people out there for the intermediate class. I'd love to see how, how people take it and yeah. uh, what more they want to learn coming up. Yep. Yep. If you want the advanced classes, you got to show up for, uh, for them. So there you go. You got one that's a little (laughs) bit more advanced there. You want to check that out with Eric on the 30th. All right, Eric. Well, thank you so much for wearing all those hats for being the producer, the talent, (laughs) the guest, the, the man of many, many talents. So we uh, we do what we got to do to make it happen, my man. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Well, you do it and you do it with grace. So thank you, sir, very much. Really appreciate that. And then, uh, yeah. Eric, as far as next week goes, just to uh, let people know what's happening, we've got uh, Danish, and I won't even try his last name right now until I can get it from him. <laughs> but uh, yeah. you know Danish, I'm sure. Yeah. He's with Silky Socks, and mm-hmm. uh, he's going to actually join us for an evening uh, show from nice. the Dax. So Terry and I and, and Eric, I don't know where if you'll be traveling <laughs> or not, but... I, I might be producing. We'll have to see how it works out this We'll this see time. the timing of Usually it. I try. 
Terry and I will be sitting in a hotel room together and uh, chatting <laughs> with Denise. Uh, and uh, it's going to be one of my favorite topics, sublimation. So there nice, uh, we go. Nice. All right, folks. Well, until then, until next week, uh, I'm Eric Campbell singing for Terry Combs. He's Aaron Montgomery. And that was the two regular guys. Here we go. We're out. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for listening to Two Regular Guys. Check out our website at tworegularguys.com. That's the number two, regularguys.com. You can also interact with us over at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash tworegularguys, or send us a tweet, twitter.com slash tworegularguys. And we have a YouTube page. You can find all that from our website, tworegularguys.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to spending some time with you again next week.